I'm finishing up this uh, little three-part series on Joseph, Jesus, and you. We covered the three blessings that were spoken over Joseph. The first was from his father Jacob. The second came from who? Pharaoh. Pharaoh. <laughs> Everybody in the room's kind of looking around. I don't know. And uh, this, the third blessing the Bible records spoken over Joseph came from Moses. And we're going to take a little twist here with Moses, okay? So um, we're going to start, if you've got your Bibles, you have a device, we're going to look at Deuteronomy 33. Now I'm editing some of these verses down, so if it's, if it's a little hard to follow, I'm just uh, editing this for time reasons. Deuteronomy 33 and 13. The Bible says, Moses said this about the tribes of Joseph. So this is for Joseph and all of his sons and grandchildren and his inheritance. May their land be blessed by the Lord with the precious gift of dew from the heavens and water from beneath the earth. Yeah. Now, uh, a couple things. First of all, understand this is in the Middle East where it's a desert region. So when anybody says the Lord's promised the blessing of water, that, that's a big deal. Okay, that's like saying God said you have an unlimited bank account. All right. And, and, I, and I, I'm not going to go long into this, but I just thought, you know, that the precious gift of dew, I thought, yeah, you know, when my father passed away, if he said, son, I've... I'm giving you the gift of dew. <laughs> I thought, well, <laughs> how about your car? <laughs> how about some land? <laughs> dew, I don't know. So I, kinda, I tried looking this up and I thought, what in the world? And you know what I found out? This is interesting. In Hosea 14.5, God likens himself to dew. He calls himself dew to all of his restored people. So in effect, what Moses was speaking over Joseph and his family was God's presence. Now that's a good one. In verses 14 through 16, the Bible says, With the rich fruit that grows in the sun and the rich harvest produced each month, with the finest crops of the ancient mountains and the abundance from the everlasting hills, with the best gifts of the earth and its bounty and the favor of the one who appeared in the burning bush. Now remember, this is Moses' blessing, so this is his world. God showed up in a burning bush. So he's referencing, this is the God I know who's speaking this blessing over you. May these blessings rest on Joseph's head, crowning the brow of the prince among his brothers. Now, what's interesting, that was a New Living Translation where Moses calls Joseph the prince amongst his brothers. In the King James, it says he was the one who was separated from his brothers. Now, here's where it gets a little interesting. The, the Bible uses a twist of words here. I, I, I love that when the Bible does that because it says that the glory of God is to hide something and the glory of man is to search it out and figure it out. So God creates the universe and that's what shows His magnificence. And then to show our magnificence, He says, you figure out how to go walk on the moon. You, you figure out how many galaxies are out there and it shows the brilliance and the blessing of men. So here there's a little twist that God hides a truth. Okay? The one separated from his brothers. Now it sounds like on one hand, 
that, that the blessing on Joseph was because he was separated his, his brothers by being betrayed and sold into slavery. Right? That's, that's kind of an obvious thing. So that's what it looks like is here's your family. Your brothers betrayed you. They separated you. And so now you have a blessing. However, if you look in the original language of the Old Testament, which is Hebrew, the Hebrew words used for separated actually means consecrated. So when you first read this, or when you first look at Joseph's life, what you do, you look at a, a young man who was betrayed and violently, hatefully separated. Yes? yes? But what God called it was not a trauma. What God called it was a consecration. From God's perspective, from man's perspective, Joseph got ripped off. From God's perspective, he got set up. The devil tried to separate Joseph from his destiny, but in the process, God separated him for his own use and his benefit. So what does this mean to us today? Let, let's say you've lost a job. Okay, you can get depressed. You can get an ulcer. Or, by faith, you say, you know what? This could be a divine setup for a new career. Maybe God shut the door to that job that I despise. Uh, need the income, got to pay the bills. However, it might be that what looked like was being separated in an evil way by my brothers, it was God separating, consecrating me for a new chapter. If you lost a parent, a mom or dad, and it was heartbreaking. I get this a lot, you know, on Facebook. Uh, a lot of people uh, subscribe to... Is that the right word? Subscribe to uh, Facebook. What do I? I should still be using typewriters. People go on Facebook a lot, and they'll they'll ask me for prayer. They'll say, "My my mom died five years ago. My dad died." You know, this this stuff is difficult. It's it's when you lose your parent. It doesn't matter how old you are. It's it's traumatic. All right. So let's say you lost a parent, and it was heartbreaking. That's a separation, is it not? Yes. But it could be that God was consecrating you to be the parent you always wanted to have. That's good. That's very, very good. This is really important stuff. I never knew my grandparents. Most of my grandparents had died before I was born. My mother was 40 when I was born, so, and I was the youngest, so most of my grandparents had passed away. The, the, the one grandmother that was still alive, I was like two or three years old when she, she passed away. That was a huge, huge need in my life. That was a big deal. My mother said that when I would go to church, anybody with white hair, any, she said it was, at first it was embarrassing, then it was just funny. Because when I was little, anybody with white hair, she said I would go up to them, and I was really shy, so you had to push past a awful lot. She said, I would go up to these white-haired lady and I would look him in the eye and say, would you be my grandmother? Aww. So, so I, I, had like, I had like 75 grandmothers at church, you know, and of course they were like that, you know, they're shoving candy in my hand. And 
Well, y you know, here, here's what happened. The, the trauma of growing up without grandparents, and, and that's a big deal, honestly, to a little kid. Um, after Christmas break, the teacher would say, everybody say what you did at Christmas break, and 98% of the room would all say we went to our grandparents' house, yeah. and I would hear that. I can remember those, those days where I would hear that, and I'd think, I don't have grandparents to go see. And uh, so here's the consecration part. I am the grandparent I always wanted to have. Oh, yeah. God calls himself a redeemer. That means that in every difficult and painful situation in life, as believers, we can always look for a higher purpose than the pain. Yeah. So let's look deeper at what God did through Joseph in this season of incredible pain. Okay? So to do that, now we're looking at God's perspective. He had a consecration going on. Joseph experienced a painful separation. God was setting him up for a divine consecration. Okay? Back in Genesis 16.6, 6, if you got a Bible, just whip all the way back to the first book in Genesis 16. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, editing these verses down for, for time's sake. Sarai, now, if you're unfamiliar, remember Sarai was Sarah before God changed her name. Right. Okay? And Sarai is Joseph's great-grandmother. Oh, wow. Okay? This is super important to remember this. Sarai is Joseph's great-grandmother. So, God has something going on here now. Watch. Sarai, I'm reading verse 6, treated Hagar... Remember Hagar? Yes. Okay. Hagar was her servant. Yes. Right? Yeah. Sarai could not become pregnant. She wanted kids so right. badly right. that this is an Old Testament weird thing. <laughs> yeah. Your servants became concubines who became like property. So um, even though they were they were treated like wives, they they were not treated ugly. Mm -hmm. However, Hagar has a servant. I mean, uh, Sarai has a servant named Hagar. Sarai cannot get pregnant. She wants kids so bad she just wants to die. She tells her husband Abram back then, not Abraham, Abram. She says, you can go and lie with my servant and if she gets pregnant, that child becomes mine. That's the way it worked back then. Don't ask me why. I don't want to go there. Just that's the way it was back then. Okay. Hagar gets pregnant. She has a baby. They named him Ishmael. Right? Yes. As we know, Ishmael became the father of what we think of as the Muslim nations. Yes. Abraham and Sarah, which, remember, Sarai and Abram. Sarai finally became pregnant with Isaac, which became the father of what we know as the Jewish nation. And the Bible says that there was enmity, there was fighting, there was friction. Back then, there's friction in 2016. Yes. The Jewish and the Muslim nations. So, so... So when Hagar had a baby Ishmael, it was a huge mistake. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Everybody got that part? Yeah. We're back in, in Genesis chapter 16, verse 6. Sarai, Joseph's great grandmother, treated Hagar so harshly mm -hmm. that she finally ran away. Okay? Hagar runs away. She's being abused by Sarai. Hagar, Ishmael's mother, couldn't take the trial she was going through, so she ran away. Are you? Mm -hmm. wow. All right. Good. 
because we need to ask ourselves this sometimes. Yeah. When you're going through something horrible and harsh, whether it was your mistake or whether it was someone else's mistake, yeah. are you running away? Yeah. You, you say, oh, I'd never run away. Listen, if you say things like, I don't have to put up with this, yeah. that's called running away. This is going to get ugly, isn't it? <laughs> Now, verses 7 through 10. Again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chop it all down. Verses 7 through 10. The angel of the Lord found Hagar. Now, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord is almost always a reference to Jesus pre-Bethlehem. Right. Right. All right? right? There's angels, and then when the Bible says the angel of the Lord, it is almost typically... Jesus before he came in the form of human flesh in the New Testament. The angel of the Lord, let's say Jesus, found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road. And the angel said to her, Jesus said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai replied. Now, God's question to us today is, where have you come and where are you going? Because we are either going to be defined by what we're running away from or what we're running towards. This is really important stuff. Some people define their whole future based on what they're running away from. I, I got, I got, this is, this could be Joseph. I got betrayed once. I'm never going to be betrayed again. I'm never going to trust again. I'm never going to be in relationship. I'm never going to be vulnerable again. Uh, I got abused when I was a child. When I was a kid, I got abused. I'm never going to put myself in that position again. Uh, somebody stole money from me. I'm never given another dollar. Uh, I, as a pastor, you know, for 30 plus years, I'd hear people say, I used to give a lot of money to church and then some preacher ran off to uh, Hawaii with his mistress and I ne I'm never given another dollar to church. Do you still give a dollar to the grocery store? Yeah. Yeah. Because some of the managers that run grocery stores probably do bad things. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And you still eat? You, do you, have you ever gone to a restaurant and had a horrible meal? Oh, yeah. Did you just cut off restaurants for the rest of your life? <laughs> you just decide, you know what, that was a bad meal. I'm not going back there there, but I'm still going to go out to eat three, four, five times a day. <laughs> if you find yourself in a confusing chapter of your life, it's important you deal with your misery and pain or you might miss your miracle. If you've messed up, are you running from your mess or are you dealing with it? Most of us dealing with the mess can trace that mess back to idolatry. Now, this is good. In the Old Testament, idolatry meant worshiping false gods. A good way to look at, a, at it at idolatry in the New Testament believer is to define idolatry as this. Anything that does not agree with, God, with what God says about you or how you perceive Jesus. Yeah, that's right. That's a good way to think of idolatry. Yeah. Because when we don't agree with what God says about us, then we're worshiping ourselves. Yeah. 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 Very good. 
That's really so true. We were made in God's image. God was not made in our image. Yeah. <laughs> and and we, we must keep renewing our mind to perceive truth about Jesus. Yeah. Some people see Jesus, because I, I see this on Facebook a lot. <laughs> Some people see Jesus like a genie. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. You, you, you live cavalier and uncaring and selfish and then all of a sudden when you're in trouble you, you whip out your Bible and rub it and make a wish. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, doesn't, it just doesn't work that way. You're misunderstanding Jesus. Other people see Jesus as he's, he's got his pad, he's got his pen and he's keeping, he's keeping track. Mm -hmm. and, and you screw up, buddy, and you're dead. Yeah. You're going to pay for this. Well, they're not understanding the grace of God. They're not understanding that was the whole point of the cross. Was that by faith we put our mess, our sin, on the cross, and we tell Jesus, by faith, you have received the punishment for my sin. I don't have to be punished. I may have a consequence. There, there may be some things in the natural I have to deal with because of a bad choice or a sin, but it doesn't mean that I'm punished and you're mad at me because you're not. You were mad at Jesus at the cross. The Bible says God wouldn't even look at him. Yeah. He turned his back because what God was looking at at the cross was our sin. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's good. Verse 9. The angel of the Lord, Jesus, remember. Yeah. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her authority. What awful advice. <laughs> Go back to that rotten boss. Go back to that rotten job. Um, Submit to that step-parent. You can't stand to look at one, one more second. Uh, uh, go back and submit. Submission to God and others provides your solution. We are Americans. If you're, uh, I mean, we have a lot of Europeans that watch this uh, broadcast, thankfully, but Americans are, are independent. It's in our nature. It's in our character. We're independent. We don't want to be told what to do. Uh, I, I recently bought some land and I asked the, uh, the guy that was out there helping us, I said, if I put up a fence, do I ask the neighbors? And he said, listen, he had an accent. He said, listen, buddy, you're in Texas. You can do whatever the blank you want. <laughs> yes, I, I love Texas. <laughs> It, it is in our nature. We don't like to submit. We like to be independent. And, and submission doesn't mean you grovel under a whip. Right. Submission means, by the, by the meaning of the word, sub means to be under and mission. So you look at your parents, you look at your boss, and you say, what is their mission? And how can I bring my heart and gifts and strengths to come under their vision, their goals? That's what submission means. It doesn't mean your shoulders are hunched over and, and you, you, get, you, you, know, you get treated terribly. It means you are submitting your gifts, power, ability, personality to the bigger mission. Sometimes we have to return to our pain to be free from it. Confront anything in yourself that makes you want to run away and hide. This is good but hard, right? This is not confronting your Sarai. It is submitting to her and confronting yourself. See, that's what's safe. Hagar could have come back and she said, Look, God told me to return. I'm going to return. But if you speak to me ugly one more time in the middle of the night, 
That's not submitting. Yeah. <laughs> what, what God was speaking to Hagar was, you go back and submit to Sarai, and then you begin to ask yourself, mm. what is it in me that does not trust you, God? Mm. What is it in me that makes me impatient or causes me to be fearful that, that Sarai is more powerful than you are? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That Sarai's threats are more powerful than your redemption. Yeah. Good. Very good. Very good. The more you understand who you are, the less you will identify with who you were. Verse 10. Verse 10. Then he added, this is Jesus speaking to Hagar. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. Yeah. So right after he unloads this awful advice. <laughs> Go back to that woman that is just treating you horribly. Then he says, oh, by the way, your family lineage will literally be beyond, will be beyond the ability to count them. Wow. Very, good. Very good. After submission always comes the promises. Yeah. He didn't make that promise before he instructed her to have a submitted heart. Yeah. Some people live disillusioned lives because they think their answer is independence. Yeah. But most of what is dreamt about never comes to pass. Right. Yeah. Life becomes fulfilling when we get a hold of a vision that is bigger than our individual ability to make it happen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's when life gets exciting. Yeah. It's when you decide, here's where I want to go, this thing is huge, and I can't do it without a whole bunch of people joining hands and helping me to fulfill my vision and I'm joining hands to help other people fulfill their vision. That's good. That's right. really good. Okay, now watch this because we're going to take a sharp left turn. You ready? Okay. Back to Genesis. 37, Genesis 37 verses 25 through 28. Genesis 37, 25 through 28. Joseph's brothers saw camels in the distance coming toward them, and it was a group of Ishmaelite traders. His brothers agreed, instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. So when the Ishmaelites came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern, the well, and sold him to them. And the Ishmaelites took him to Egypt. Yeah. <clears throat> okay? Now watch this. Hagar's son, Ishmael, was a mistake. That was not God's purpose. God's purpose was for Sarai to have a baby named Isaac and the Jewish people group became into existence. Hagar's son Ishmael, who was a mistake, became the father of the Ishmaelites who were the people who brought Joseph to Egypt. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All of Egypt, yeah. all of Israel was saved through Ishmael's future generations. Wow. Wow. When Ishmael's mother Hagar refused to run away from her mess and submitted to God and others, the result was her son's tribe eventually saved Joseph's life. Wow. That's amazing. Incredible. What started out a horrible, traumatic separation was actually designed by God as a consecration where God said, you know what, Hagar? You made a mistake. Ishmael was a mistake. I will use that mistake to not only save all the Egyptians, but all the Israelites and all the people in that, in that area. What looked like a horrible betrayal for Joseph was actually a divine separation by God to fulfill his destiny. Wow. Wow. 
Wow. Good. So good. Let me close this up today. Will you turn to Jesus and let him turn your mess into a blessing? That's the point, isn't it? Will you turn to Jesus and let him turn your mess into messing? Can you stop running from your pain and allow the Lord to show you his divine setup? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Do you believe there's a divine setup? Yeah. 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 Yeah.